0: Boom, shake the room, Fire Nation, JLD here with an audio masterclass on how three simple phone alarms changed my health, wealth, and relationships, and to drop these value bombs, I have brought Eric Partaker on the mic. He is CEO of the year, top 30 entrepreneurs in the UK, peak performance coach for CEOs and entrepreneurs, and you can learn more at ericpartaker.com. Fire Nation, today we'll be talking about those three phone alarms, how you can design productivity into your day, and how to add 13 weeks to your year, which is a decade to your life, and the 80-20 principle, and so much more when we get back from thanking our sponsors. Clavio is the e-commerce marketing platform that helps brands build relationships with memorable email and SMS messages. Today, more than 40,000 brands like Living Proof, Kopari Beauty, and Huckberry choose Clavio to help them grow. Learn more and get started with a free trial at klaviyo.com slash fire. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash fire. Eric, say what's up to Fire Nation? And share, something interesting about yourself that most people don't know
1: all right. Well, yeah, what's up, Fire Nation? Excited to be here. Um, this is This is an easy one. Uh, about ten years ago, I was uh, boarding a return flight to uh, London. And um, shortly after the cabin doors closed, I, I could sense something wasn't right. And as the plane ascended, I had a lot of uh, pressure building in my chest. It soon became pain. Uh, went through the my left arm, my whole left arm went completely ice cold. My colleague next to me he touched my my arm, and I remember he said, You know geez, it feels like it's been hanging in a meat locker. what um, yeah and I, and i said to I said to him i, I said Lewis, I, like something's up man this this is uh I'm scared um can you can you get some help' And, um, Lewis jumps over, uh, runs to a flight attendant and, um, flight attendant comes overseas. I'm, I'm, I'm well, I'm, I'm sweating at this point. Um, you know, feeling really nauseous. Um, and she, she asked if there's a doctor on board and, um, and I'm just, you know, feeling worse and worse. Doctor comes running over. Luckily, uh, yeah, I, I, hopefully there's always a doctor aboard a flight. And I was right. lucky, I was lucky there was one for me. He came over, uh, took my vital signs, and he just said immediately, he, was, he said, we got to land the plane like ASAP. Um, I think he's having a heart attack. And when I, when I heard those words-
0: You had a heart attack. <laughs> yeah, when,
1: when you're, when you're 35,000 feet up in the air, these are not the words you want to hear.
0: Heck no. Gosh.
1: Right? You're, you're about as far away from help as you can get. And I remember when that plane- you know, in the movies when you know they talk about something like feeling an, an eternity, um, like life is going in slow motion, I mean, that was exactly what it felt like, because that descent, it probably didn't take that long, but it felt like forever, and I was just terrified on the way down that my heart was going to stop completely. I, I kept having this thought in my head, like, geez, I'm going to get so close to safety, and it's going to be lights out, and obviously... Um, I mean, you'd be an absolute magician if you had invited someone to your show who had actually died. right. Um, so, so that wasn't the case. Uh, we a we, plane plane emergency land um, By the way, on a, a quick side note here, um, I was just too curious to not google this. so um, apparently it costs about one hundred and fifty thousand dollars to emergency land, the plane for the airline and um i think my ticket cost like 150 bucks so they did it they did really poorly with me on that flight
0: <laughs> oh man but you know what i will say to make you feel a little bit better if you need it they they yeah. likely have insurance for that so yeah, the people true. who got screwed are the people who should get screwed which are the insurance companies
1: <laughs> yeah 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 true so 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 plane touches down um emergency response team rushes on board Takes me into a waiting ambulance. They administer nitrates right away to open up the arteries. And then the ambulance sped off to um, a local hospital.
0: Did you even know where you were? Like, did you even know, like, what city you were in?
1: No, I had no idea. Yeah. I mean, I knew when I got into the ambulance, because everyone was speaking French.
0: (laughs) Oh, man. Because that's the thing about flying over Europe. You're like... I just, I literally have no idea where we're going to descend. So that, Eric, is super interesting, my friend. I'm going to share something else that people don't know about you, actually, is you might be moving to Puerto Rico at some point in the future, the Isle de Ancanta. So that'll be super cool as well. So, yes. man, what a way to kick off this interview of three simple phone alarms that changed Eric's health, wealth, and relationships. And we already can see that he needed a little change in his health. So... Talk to us about these three phone alarms that are going to elevate our health, work, and home front.
1: So, I mean, this is dead simple. Um, and it was driven by you know that story I just shared because uh, I have been obsessed with achievement prior to that point for um, 10 years uh, while at Skype, um, helping build. Um, uh, we, we, we sold Skype to eBay in like 2005 for about $4 billion while I was at McKinsey and Company. And then a few of my own businesses, but it was like achievement at all costs, right? So including at the cost of my health and relationships. And and after that, I knew, I knew something had to change. I knew I needed some, some balance. And I literally, I, I took my phone one day and I said, okay, I'm going to put in some alarms and I'm going to label each alarm to reflect what like the best version of me would look like to power the relevant segment of The day. And so let me give you an example. Um and when you're setting an alarm on your phone, for example, if you have iPhone, you go into the alarm uh and you'll see a section called label and you can actually name the alarm whatever you want. And if you have Android, you can go in, it's called name, you can label it whatever you want. So so for years now at six thirty AM, the first alarm goes off and it says World Fitness Champion. And I'm not a world fitness champion, I never will be, but like that's not the point. The point is is that for me, that's the phrase that expresses my best on the health front, which is one of the key three areas. You, know, you got your health, your wealth, or if you want to refer to it as work uh, and your relationships. So on a health front, who am I at my best? Give it, a phrase, you know, give it a name. It's World Fitness Champion. And when that alarm goes off, it just prompts me, okay, well, how would a World Fitness Champion walk into the gym right now? And while I'm in the gym, I'll be on, uh, uh, you know, say that seventh or eighth rep, and I might have doubts about getting to the 10th. And then that little voice kicks off, like, well, you know, what would a world fitness champion do in this moment? And just having that intentionality going into that segment of the day means that I'm more likely to go do the workout to begin with because I'm kind of transforming into that identity. And at the same time, when I'm in the workout, I remind myself, well, well, who's working out right now? You know, it's not me, it's the world fitness champion. And then I, I get past that 8th rep, ninth, 10th, do 11th, and 12th for good measure because, you know, champions do more. Um, and then um, 9 a.m., the next alarm goes off. And um, uh, I you know, these days, I, I work as um, uh, a coach for CEOs and, and entrepreneurs, helping them you know, scale themselves and their companies, but but without sacrificing their health and relationships. And at 9 a.m., that next alarm goes off, and it says, world's best coach. Because once again, it's reminding me, well, okay, how would the world's best coach start, you know, his day right now? You know, how, how decisive, inspiring, and reliable am I going to be? You know, what, how will I behave? How am I going to be interacting with others? But the game-changing alarm for me um, and it will be different for for each person, but the game changer for me was the one at six thirty p.m., and that's because, um, you know, frankly, after that plane incident, I thought I had everything together. But then, you know, a few years after that, my wife told me she was leaving me if I didn't change my ways. So she said I was around, but not really, you know, present or available. And so originally these alarms, you know, they started really just with with two originally, the the health and and the work one. And then I added this third one. And at 6.30 p.m., once again, it's a phrase that means something to me. And it says world's best husband and father because it just prompts me to ask myself, how would the world's best husband and father walk through that door right now? Or if I'm working at home, you know, how would the world's best husband and father walk down the stairs right now? And once again, the power of that intentionality, the power of picking a phrase that meant something to me, that represented me at my superhuman best in each of these areas, you know, health, wealth, and relationships, setting it at the appropriate time of day to cue that identity just started help, you know, I started to close that gap between who I was and who I was capable of being, you know, across those three fronts. So there you go. Three simple phone alarms that have totally helped me up my game by constantly reminding me of what, you know, my best looks like.
0: Fire Nation, what kind of questions are you asking yourself on a daily basis? And a lot of times the answer is going to be, well, you're not really asking yourself any questions on a daily basis. Like maybe you are every now and then, but you're not being super consistent with it. And how can you start being more consistent with it? Well, these phone alarms can help you be more consistent with it. Um, I've got multiple phone alarms, and I will say that unfortunately, I don't have quite the quality of questions that Eric has in here, which I'm going to update after this chat for sure. But, you know, like a simple one that this is completely out in left field, but. At 8 p.m. every day, my alarm goes off and it says, turn on your bedroom air conditioner. Because guess what? I live in Puerto Rico. And if I don't turn on my bedroom air conditioner at 8 p.m. by the time I go to bed at 9 or 9.30 like my room is either going to be an ice box where i can fall asleep quickly or a sweat box where i toss and turn all night um, trying to get comfortable and as the room slowly 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 cools down. So that's something super simple and kind of like out in the left field but that improves my life every single day because i know now that i'm going to bed every night with an ice box of a room. What can we do? In these three areas about health, wealth, relationships, about health, wealth in your home front that are going to increase the positives in our life. So I love these questions that you ask. I want to implement them in a, in a better way in my life because I already see how that APM alarm helps my sleep. And that's just one tiny, tiny little thing that's kind of more like a reminder So great stuff. And one thing that I'm I'm really a passionate person when it comes to productivity, I love being productive, I love being efficient, but I wanna know how you've designed productivity into your day and what can we learn from that to design it into ours?
1: Great question, I'm equally obsessed with with productivity. Um, Most people, when the word productivity comes up, um, it, it ends up feeling like this whip, right? If if you have a hundred people in a room, I would reckon on average the majority of them are going to be saying, "When I hear the word productivity, I start thinking I'm not as productive as I would like to be." It's not like I hear productivity and they're and they're going to be saying, "Oh yeah, that's me. I'm super productive." So, um, so what, the reason I like about the reason I like thinking about productivity as a design issue rather than just going straight into how, how can you do more is to kind of ease that, ease that pressure on ourselves. And so we start with designing productivity into our day. And the way we do that is by recognizing that a productive day doesn't begin the day of. It actually begins the night before. And there's three simple routines that I've installed in my day to make my days more productive. And it starts with how I shut down a day. So, um, you know, the alarm, 6.30 p.m., says world's best husband and father to prompt me to transition from work to home mode. Well, there's a set appointment that I have in my calendar prior to that going off. And at 6 p.m., every single day, I have a shutdown routine. And it's a very simple checklist. I, I literally have it as a calendar appointment, you know, in my, in my Gmail, in my calendar, and it just says shutdown. And when I click on the appointment in the meeting description, I mean, I don't even need this anymore, but it, you know, initially I did. It has a simple checklist, which is um, you know, review the day for any actions uh, to update you know, with, with on my to-do, on my to-do list. Um, it has a quick scan, a final scan of email. Um, it has a prompt to review my next day. So what does the calendar look like the next day? And then here's the, the critical two things. What are the top three things I'm going to do tomorrow? And then where am I going to do them? So dropping them literally into the white space of my day. And the reason this is so important from a productivity point of view is because we need to be able to rest to be as productive as possible unless we shut down our day. Um, we're going to be still thinking about work. We'll be at the dinner table, but we won't still be present. You know, there's no cutoff point, but by doing this, my day is properly shut down. And at the same time, I don't feel like I've missed anything, right? I've checked email. I've checked my notes. I've, you know, I've done the scan of the, the the following day. I know the top three things I'm going to be doing. I even know when I'm going to be doing them. The next, so that's the shutdown routine. The next powerful routine is, I'm protecting your sleep. Um, you know, I, I say a productive day begins with eight hours of sleep as well. And if you think that you don't need eight hours of sleep, you know, anybody listening who thinks, ah, I don't need eight hours of sleep, um, you probably just become accustomed to operating at a lower baseline because the chance of you having, there's a gene associated with being able to thrive with less than eight hours of sleep. And the chances of you having that gene is equivalent to your chances of being struck by lightning. And if you want to go deeper on it, You can read this book, uh, Why We Sleep, by Matthew Walker. So as much as people want to think that they have that gene, um, you probably don't. And so you really need to protect your sleep. And we do that. This routine is simply called a digital sunset because any light coming from your devices, such as your cell phone, uh, your tablet, um, even your television, but especially like tablet, you know, PC, cell phone, you know, stuff really close to you, any that light goes through your eyes and it gets picked up by a pea-sized um, uh, gland at the center of your brain called the pineal gland. And that gland produces melatonin. And melatonin is what we need to induce sleep. Problem is, is that the pineal gland's melatonin production is linked to light. So if it's sensing a lot of light, it's going to think, ah, it's daylight out still. So let's not produce too much melatonin because, you know, that's, it's dangerous, right? It's dangerous to sleep during the day. So um, any, any light coming from these devices in that last hour before bedtime especially reduces our melatonin production by 50%, meaning we're going to find it difficult either sleeping a full eight hours or sleeping restfully during those eight hours, really restoratively, really deeply, But a simple digital sunset, which you set one hour before bedtime such that you shut off all the electronics, gets around that so that we could sleep restfully, properly, and be more productive the next day. So three routines, I said, to design productivity into your day. We started with the shutdown ritual. Now we got a digital sunset one hour before bedtime, electronics off, maximum melatonin production best sleep possible. And then the third routine is how we start our day the next day. And I encourage everyone to start their day being creative rather than reactive. A lot of people, they start their day um, immediately into social media or email or browsing, you know, the news and, and they're just, they're just scattering their mind. And like dropping themselves into a pinball machine, you know, to be bounced from one person's agenda to the next. And it's much more powerful, at least for the first hour of the day, more if you can do it, to be focused on output, being creative rather than input and being reactive. And what should you be spending that time on? Well, one of those top three critical you know, things that you decided as part of your shutdown ritual um, the day before. So implement those three things, shut down your day properly. Introduce a digital sunset one hour before bed to maximize your, your sleep, and then be creative before re- reactive for at least the first hour of the next day, and then you're really starting to design you know the, the foundation for optimal productivity into your day, I believe.
0: Fire Nation, there's a lot that I love of what Eric just went through. A few things that I want to hark back on is, number one, that word productive and productivity. A lot of people do actually think that they are productive, or they love to be like, I'm So productive today. I was so busy. Being productive in the way that Eric and I are productive, Fire Nation, is producing the right content. We're not busy. We're producing the right content. That's where we're productive. And I have this saying, um, every night before I go to bed, it's actually part of my mastery journal when you're filling in the last section of that. Win tomorrow today. If you want to win tomorrow, you do it today, Fire Nation. You don't do it tomorrow. And then I love that idea of setting a digital sunset. That's super cool. I'm I'm very obsessed with the right nighttime environment. I have my aura ring, so I have my sleep score every single night. So I'm always trying to up my game there. Um, I'm using blue blockers pretty much after 7 p.m. One thing that's really helped me recently is I've completely cut off like drinking any kind of water or anything else, like after 7 p.m., because that was just one thing I was noticing. I was getting up a couple times to use the restroom, which was super annoying and disruptive. So, what I'll say is the first hour of your day, Fire Nation, like Eric was going into, that's critical. Focus on outputs. I'm writing my first traditionally published book right now, and I I'll tell you the reason why I've been able to stay on deadline and pump out 60,000 words in about two months is because the first hour of every day is completely dedicated to output on that book. There's nothing else that's in my life until that is done. And it's such a good feeling to have that hour of output completely with the freshest part of my mind. Now, I teased this in the intro, Eric, and listen, we all want to live forever, or at least as long as possible in a healthy way. You have a way that we can add 13 weeks a year to our life, and this would be a full decade over our entire career. So can you break this down for us?
1: Yes, I love this one. Um, so this is getting a, a, a bit creative here with how you think about those thir- thirteen weeks, but just work with me on this one. So I read this book called The One Thing. I'm sure lots of people listening have read the book as well. It's awesome. Um, really helps you develop your focus uh, on what matters most, and you know introduces the whole concept of time blocking and and, and the value of of single tasking. And one of the the, the the one of the primary premises of the book is that. We have been fooled by you know the myth of multitasking um, ineffectiveness that. Uh, you can't truly multitask, right? I mean, we can chew gum and walk at the same time. You know, there's there's some things that you can actually do simultaneously. We can listen to
0: podcasts as we go for a run, as we're driving, yeah. walking our dog, podcasts for the win.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. But, you know, there's, there, there's some things like that, but I'm not, for example, doing this podcast with you and then also crafting a presentation, no, no, no. right? Right, so... Um, what, what most people do when they think that they're multitasking, aside from those few examples that we gave, is that they're really task switching. They're going from one thing to the next repeatedly throughout their day. And some research in, in the book, The One Thing, I think it came out of Stanford University, shows that the average person is doing this, often unconsciously, 37 times an hour. What I'm sure a lot of people can relate to this, right? So imagine it's 9 a.m. You start working. And then a few minutes later, a notification on your phone goes off. You check that. And then suddenly that notification prompts you to think about something. And you just do a little quick internet search and something. Now you're in your inbox. Now you're back to say the presentation you're working on. Now the phone rings. Now you go back to your cup of coffee or tea and you're like, oh, that's a little bit cold. I gotta reheat that. <laughs> and you know, and it's just like on and on and on. All right. And you get to the end of the hour and your next appointment, whatever it is, call or you have to go somewhere is about to start. And you look back and you go, God, like what? what the heck, where did all the time go because of all that task switching? Because the thing with the task switching is that it's not that you just lose the time spent on what you were wanting to originally work on, you know, because you switched to other things. But what, what, what the research shows is that when you switch back to whatever the primary thing was that you wanted to focus on, you actually don't start back to where you left off. So you have to kind of... Um, Retrace your steps a bit, regather your momentum. The long, you know, the, the, the short of this is that all of this added together equates to a loss of about 20, 28% of the average day. Now, 28% loss of the average day doesn't sound like much, but when we extrapolate that and we say, okay, but these average days are continually strung together. 28 percent, you know, multiplied against let's take six weeks out in a year for uh, vacation. So you take 28 percent times 46 work weeks. That means that the average person is losing 13 weeks a year. Poof, just gone, and they're losing it to the fact that they're constantly task switching. They're losing it to the fact that they are not single tasking and then that gets on to well how do you reclaim those 13 weeks a year that's an entire you know entire quarter you know again this means that the average person who's feeling time pressured and you know not able to get everything done well yeah because they're only playing with three quarters in the year what would they do with an extra quarter and we reclaim that extra quarter by focusing on single tasking what single tasking simply is is that you decide okay right now For this next hour or half hour, I'm going to work on this presentation or uh, read this report or write on the book like you were mentioning, and I'm not going to do anything else, and I'm going to eliminate all those distractions. So my phone, I'm going to shut it off. I'm going to put it in another room maybe or even in a drawer. I'm going to close down all the browsers and just work on that one thing. And by doing that, by single tasking and just simply avoiding the constant task switching, we can reclaim up to 13 weeks a year. And now if we extrapolate that over an entire career, you know, say a 40-year career, that means that we could reclaim an entire decade. Wow! So to all the people listening who think that I don't have time for this passion of mine, I don't have time to start this new business, I don't have time, maybe you don't want to dedicate it to work, maybe you're like, I don't have time to work out, I don't have time you know, to invest more in my relationship. Well, of course you do, because the average person is losing a quarter a year. So the time's there. You just got to single task your way to reclaiming it.
0: Fire Nation, so much value here. I want to go back. That book, The One Thing by Gary Keller, so critical. It opened my mind up to exactly these concepts that Eric's talking about. It's critical. You have to have that direct focus if you want to have the kind of output and productivity slash producing the right content that you want. In Fire Nation, we have some awesome things coming up as soon as we get back from our break. We're gonna be talking about the 80-20 principle. We're gonna be talking about becoming anti-fragile and so much more when we get back from thanking our sponsors. This message comes from our sponsor, Clavio. If growing an e commerce business is your focus, you need a platform that's focused on growth. That's where Clavio comes in. Clavio is the ultimate e commerce marketing platform for online brands of all kinds and sizes. Whether you're just getting started or running a well known brand, it gives you everything you need to send memorable branded emails, text messages, and more so you can build strong relationships that keep your customers coming back with flexible automations, powerful insights, and super precise targeting, Klaviyo is a faster way to turn great ideas into great customer experiences. And these experiences are real money makers. Brands made more than $10 billion in revenue through Klaviyo last year. That's why it's trusted by more than 40,000 brands like Living Proof, Huckberry, and Eight Sleep. Want to learn more about how you can grow your brands with Klaviyo? Visit Claviyo.com/fire to get started with a free trial today. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash fire. Hiring can be a challenge, especially with everything else you have to consider when it comes to safely reopening and running your business these days. Monica Starks could relate. She needed to hire for a pivotal role at her construction company, GS Group, but was having a tough time finding the right person, especially with so many candidates out there. So she switched to ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. Its technology identifies people with the right experience for your job and actively invites them to apply, which is why you should try ZipRecruiter for free at zippycutter. dot com slash fire. That's how Monica found Lamont Jenkins. She said Zip ZipRecruiter sent Lamont's profile to her around five minutes after she posted her job because he was a great match for the role. Through ZipRecruiter, Monica's company has hired everyone from accountants to project managers to field scientists, but Monica is not the only employer who loves ZipRecruiter. Four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See for yourself how ZipRecruiter makes hiring faster and easier. Try it now for free. That's right, free. At ziprecruiter.com/fire. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash fire. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash fire. ZipRecruiter.com slash fire. Eric, we're back. And before the break, I kind of teased a little bit about the 80-20 principle. And I know a lot of people have a decent grasp on it, but let's just really break it down for Fire Nation. What is the 80-20 principle and how should we as entrepreneurs use it?
1: So 80-20, another um, great productivity principle. Uh, it's essentially about how, how can I look for the 20% of things that I could be doing, which will create 80% of the result. And I'll give you an example. One of the things that um, I did before, sorry, after, after helping build up Skype, and before I started coaching CEOs and entrepreneurs, one of the other things I did was I built up a chain of Mexican restaurants um, in the United Kingdom. And who's born knowing how to do that, right? So, Um, so I figured, okay, well, it can't be, it can't be that difficult. I just need to figure out, you know, what's most important. So 80, 20, what's the 20% of things I could be focused on with building this restaurant chain that would create 80% of the results. And I zeroed, and there's a lot, a lot of things that you could focus on, you know, in a restaurant chain, you got the service, you got the ambience, you got the food. And I thought, okay, I'm going to focus on the food, because I think ultimately the food and the flavor in the food, that's the 20% that will drive 80% of guest satisfaction. And I actually just jumped ahead there. I talked about flavor because it wasn't just after I zeroed in on the food, I said, okay, well, what within the food is going to drive 80% of the guest satisfaction? Because we got flavor, we have aroma, we have texture. And I zeroed in on, you know, we have the appearance. I zeroed in on the flavor. And then I looked through all of our recipes and I said, okay, what are or all the menu components? Sorry, all the menu components that went into the meal, and I said, of all these menu components, we had 17 different menu components at the time, um, what are the 20% of the menu components that will drive 80% of the flavor in the meals? And then I took it another 80-20 level deep and I said, okay, give me the recipes for those components, those eighty twenty components. Now, what are the ingredients within these recipes which will drive 80% of the flavor of that recipe? The next thing I know is I'm in, um, you know, the uh, Yucatan Peninsula of Mexico shaking hands with local farmers there to get the chilies grown that we had identified, um, as well as a few other key ingredients directly for us. No middlemen shipped to us in London to impart all of that flavor and result of that 80-20 focus on, on the food and the flavor and the ingredients and everything as I just described is that the The chain quickly became an award-winning chain. It was um, noted by you know, all the critics as uh, having the top Mexican food in in London, and all because I really zeroed in on that 80-20 principle. You know, what are the 20% of things that will drive 80% of the results? So, what I would challenge, you know, again, the listeners to do is, is, well, you know, think, what are the 20% of the things that you could be doing in your life that drive 80% of your satisfaction? And are you focused on those 20? Within your business, what are the 20% of things that would drive 80% of the results? And are you focused on those 20%? And more specifically, where is it built into your calendar? You know, if I were to look at your calendar, open it up, take a peek, do I see that you're working on the true needle-moving stuff? Is it time-blocked in your calendar, you know, the 20% of things? That, once again, will drive the 80% of results.
0: Fire Nation, are you breaking these things down in your business? Do you have the focus that Eric's talking about as he's sharing this? Are things coming up in your mind? And I mean, if they're not, that means you got to sit down and make sure that you know your 80-20, you know where your focus needs to be, you know where your needle movers are. I want to talk about anti-fragile. This is obviously a great book by Nassim Taleb, and it really, for anybody who's read it, um, shows you the power of being anti-fragile. So break that down for us. How can we, Fire Nation, and just entrepreneurs in general, become anti-fragile so that we can better handle the unexpected?
1: First is we have to understand, well, what does anti-fragility mean? And think of it simply as... um... If if you were to describe yourself as a fragile person, it means that you know you can't take much of um, can't take much of a beating. Let's put it that way, right? You get hit a couple of times, and you're going to break down. You're going to break. Um, and then if I ask you, okay, well, what's the opposite of that? Most people would say, well, you know, ro- robust or resilient. But that just means that you can survive, you know, more of a beating. Eventually, you'll break down, you know, or you could survive and you kind of stay the same. But antifragile, that's the true opposite, right? So that means the more you get hit, the stronger you become. And when people first hear this, they go, okay, well, that doesn't, that's not real. You know, that doesn't really apply, though. That certainly doesn't apply to me. And then they would be dead wrong because your body is a perfect model of antifragility. So, um, you know, UV radiation in in small doses Actually repairs tissues and helps your your you know your body generate vitamin D, which is needed in you know, every every cell. Um, exposure to germs and bacteria, you know, helps build the body's you know immune system. And when we're in the gym, right, when we stress a muscle, it, it causes it to grow. So actually, we are all anti fragile already. We're all doing it. It's happening naturally within our bodies. And so my point with embracing anti-fragility is more about how do we get what's naturally already occurring within our bodies up inside our minds. And it starts with, we need to reframe stress. So <clears throat> let me, you know, I'll ask another, another question to, to the listeners. So I want you to think of three groups of people. Um, first group experiences a, a pretty stress-free life. Uh, second group, experiences stress but views it positively and the third group experiences stress but views it negatively so question is which group do you think lives the longest now most people kind of think oh well that stress-free life you know that sounds great sitting on the yacht pina colada (laughs) you (laughs) you know that's that's the life for me i'm gonna live the longest dead wrong. <laughs> You're not going to live the longest. Actually, it's the second group, the group that experiences stress in their lives. You know, and I'm not talking about little, I'm talking about like moderate, you know, to even potentially heavy amounts of stress, but they view it positively. They live the longest. And if we, you know, if we you look at the great Roman emperor, Marcus Aurelius, he wrote in his journal um, that, uh, and I'm paraphrasing here, um, but, you know, along the lines of, that the game wasn't for him to not be knocked down. Um, that he should expect to be knocked down in life. You no, know, Not just in the battlefield, but like in everyday life. And that the game was more, how quickly can he bounce back up? Um, that that's what it was all about. And then there's this, I love this Japanese proverb, um, fall down seven times, stand up eight. Um, I think uh, in proverb terms, I think seven and eight, those are like big numbers. So I think it's like trying to suggest that, you know, you you will get knocked down a lot. But I love that it just ends with, but it's all about just standing up one more time. So all of these things all kind of point to the same thing, which is that we have to stop stressing ourselves out by trying to pursue a stress-free life and instead reframe stress as something that improves us, something that helps us. You know, if you have this mentality... Then you can suddenly turn life into like one big mental gym, right? So every moment of adversity, everything that happens that doesn't go your way, the person who cuts you off, you know, the, the train that you miss, um, you know, the goals that you miss and maybe don't hit that first time around. These are all repetitions in the gym of, of life. You know, they're like stressing, you know, your bicep in the gym. And by stressing ourselves and completing these repetitions, that's how we grow, Right? rather than trying to avoid all of that. So that's the first step, is kind of reframing stress as something positive, something that can benefit us, provided we think about it in the correct way. Let's introduce a tool that allows us to uh, benefit in stressful moments, to translate those moments into something that uh, where we can grow. And that simple tool is called creating space. And what I mean is that between stimulus and response, whatever it is that's triggering you, whatever it is that is um, you know, setting you off. Typically when we respond, that response will be something suboptimal uh, to a stressful event. So what I mean is like the, not, not the very best version of us, not how that version of us would respond. But if we just focus on creating space between stimulus and response, so somebody who's irritating us or we get cut off or something that happens that we don't like, a tiny moment of awareness, it could be a pause, it could be a deep breath, we could just leave the room. If we just create space we can create a moment to choose, well, what is the optimal response? When we don't have any space between the stimulus and the response, we just go into the emotional. But if we create that space, that pause, we can actually ask ourselves, well, how would the very best version of me respond in that situation? Now, the more you do all of this, the more you kind of reframe uh, stress and then create space between whatever that stressful event is and your response so that you can choose the best version of you that response, the better you become at becoming anti-fragile.
0: So Fire Nation, a lot of value bombs were dropped by Eric today. And Eric, what I'd love for you to do right now is just take a minute, share the thing that you want to make sure Fire Nation gets from everything that we talked about today. Like what's the one thing that you think you really want Fire Nation to make sure they take away from our entire conversation? Then share with us a call to action that you have for us, and then we'll say goodbye.
1: Great, so number one thing I want people to take away from today is that everyone truly can become extraordinary. Everyone can reach their full potential. You can close that gap between who you are and, and who you're capable of being. It's just a choice and there's lots of tools that you've been given today um, you know, to close that gap. So, I would, um, I would start with implementing uh, the three alarms and on that note. Um, my book by the same title, The Three Alarms, is going to be out in mid-September. And if you head over to my, for all, all those who are listening, if you head over to my website at ericpartaker.com uh, for the first month after this airs, I'm going to be offering a free uh, ebook version of The Three Alarms oh. to um, everyone who comes to the site.
0: Love it, Fire Nation, that's ericpartaker.com. Get over there, get your free ebook, and then of course, if you want to expound upon that, there's the actual book, the audio book, and all of that jazz. And Eric, I just want to say that Fire Nation knows that they're the average of the five people that they spend the most time with. They've been hanging out with us today. They've been hanging out with EP and JLD. So Fire Nation, can you please keep up that heat? And if you head over to ericpartaker.com, you're going to get that free ebook. If you head over to eofire.com and type Eric in the search bar, E-R-I-C, you're going to get the full show notes page with all the links that we talked about today. Eric, thank you for sharing your truth, your knowledge, your value with Fire Nation. For that, we salute you, and we'll catch you on the flip side.
1: Thank you, and thanks, Fire Nation, for listening.
0: Hey, Fire Nation, today's value bomb content was brought to you by Eric. And you know that I've created a treasure trove of free courses for you, right? I teach you how to podcast, how to mastermind, create funnels, and come up with your big idea. I, just a lot of great stuff. All you need to do is visit eofire.com slash resources, eofire.com slash resources. Start learning today for free. I'll catch you there, Fire Nation, or I'll catch you on the flip side. Clavio is the e-commerce marketing platform that helps brands build relationships with memorable email and SMS messages. Today, more than 40,000 brands like Living Proof, Kopari Beauty, and Huckberry choose Clavio to help them grow. Learn more and get started with a free trial at klaviyo.com/fire. That's k l a v i y o.com/fire.